<clears throat> Good morning. Uh, I was telling Lloyd when we walked up on stage about five till eleven or five till ten, there wasn't hardly anybody here. It was uh, it's like, man, we're running a little thin today. <coughs> I don't know if everybody walked in after I'd already sat down and faced forward. I guess there's <clears throat> a lot here, Amen. which is good. Uh, I'm awful emotional today for some reason. Uh, I don't know what it is because I'm like the least emotional person you will ever meet off of this stage. Uh, and you, if you don't believe me, ask Rachel. I'm sure she would happily tell you how you know unemotional I am. And uh, it just seems like when you get up on you get up on stage, and for whatever reason, you, you start talking about God, and you're just an emotional train wreck. Uh, I don't know what it is, but that's <clears throat> what it is for me. Friday night, uh, me and Luke fished a bass tournament, but that's not what I was going to say. Before that, I spoke at a church, and uh, there was this guy there. I met this this guy, and he wasn't, the pastor wasn't there that night, so this guy was just in charge of you know, greeting me and like tell, inviting me on stage, whatever, introducing me. And uh, so he wasn't like an associate pastor or a youth pastor or whatever. He was just some guy that goes to church. But man, I've been telling AJ about this guy because his his passion and his faith and his his fire that he had for God it was just electric. So I went and preached, but I left with this guy like preaching to me, and he didn't even preach. I just talked to the guy, and uh, I spoke this message there, and uh, I. I went home and really redid it. And uh, I don't know why I'm so emotional this morning, but I feel like God's going to move. So I have these expectations in my mind. And I don't want to hinder that. So I feel this pressure. But for whatever reason, I put a lot of prayer into this. I put a lot of time into this. And... I really feel like God's got something for us today. Now, I don't know why I'm so emotional and why I can't just say that without being emotional. But it's kind of like you put time into something and you believe in something and you get invested into something and all your emotions goes with that. But as I say, most times... You know, everybody's heard me say this is I speak from a place of conviction, not condemnation. And I want I want everybody to know that that I'm not up here speaking from a place of I know more than you or I've studied the Bible more than you have or I've got life figured out and you don't. But this is from my heart, this is what God convicts me about. And it's it's not coming from a place of condemnation, but it comes from a place of, I felt like God called me into ministry. And so many times I've failed. You know, so, you know I have problems of my own. I, I have sin struggles. I haven't figured it all out. And I, I've got problems and I've got things I've got to work on. I've got things I've got to get better at. So it doesn't come from a place of conviction. It comes from a place of, the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And it comes from a place of, I've tasted and I've seen that the Lord is good. That I've sat in this church and I remember that Vicky, 
had these things in her lungs, and, and they, they said it was cancer, and they said that she, she was going to have to start this long process, and it wasn't looking good. And we came, and we laid hands, and we prayed, and they were gone. I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And I can remember being at a revival one night, and I bet there wasn't 20 people there. My friend Chad was, was speaking, and there wasn't 20 people there, but Cat Stewart got saved. I've tasted and I've seen that the Lord is good. And I've been here so many times to see some of the youth that are sitting here today. I've been here when they were saved. And not because of me and not because of Darwin and not, but only because of God. Because God showed up and I believe God has showed up here today and He's got something for us and I believe that He's got something. He's laid something on my heart. And I think He's going to lay something on our hearts today. I've tasted and I've seen that the Lord is good. Proverbs 16.9 says this, it says, In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. And so I, I say that to say, I don't think it's by chance that you're here today. Maybe you come here every Sunday. Maybe you're an active member of our church, but I still don't think it's by chance that you showed up here today. Even if it's routine, I don't think it's by chance that God brought you here today. So I think God's got something for, for every person under the sound of my voice. Psalms 26.2, David is speaking, and he says, Test me, Lord. Try me. Examine my heart and my mind. And that's my expectation for us today, is that Right now in this time, we can put everything else aside. We can put out all the fears, all the anxieties of the world, and we can just get in that place where it's just you and God. Where it's not so much a speaker up on stage, and you don't got a neighbor sitting next to you, but you, if we could all get to that place where it's me and my relationship with God. Test me, Lord. Try me. Examine my heart and my mind. If y'all bow with me. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to You, God. Lord, and I pray that You just open up our eyes and open up our hearts. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Lord, every single person here, God, I pray that You would test us. I pray that You would examine our hearts, God, and You'd show each and every one of us what we stand in need of. Lord, I pray that You move in this service, God. Not because of me, not because of anything I've done, but because of who you are and what you've done for each and every one of us, God. Lord, we thank you and we love you and we know that it's not by us, but it's only by you. We give you all the praise and glory and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I hear a lot of good sermons and I listen to a lot of sermons. And I hear a lot of good points and a lot of good things is preached on, but it, it seems like, you know, the fundamental, fundamentals of our faith is having a relationship with God. I mean, that's what, it's, that's what it's all really about. And, you know, I don't think we talk about that. You know, it's so elementary. You know, everybody knows it, that we should have a relationship with God. That Jesus said the only way we're going to get to heaven is through Him. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man come unto the Father, but by me. So, you, it has to be through Jesus, and if it's going to be through Jesus, then I have to have a relationship with Him. And you know, I don't think we think about the quality of the relationship we have with Him enough. 
You know, everybody has a relationship with God. And maybe it's you not knowing God at all, but you still have a relationship with Him. He still knows who you are. But do you know who He is? And the only, only way we're ever going to know who God is is if we're spending time with Him. The same way I, I would get to know Lloyd better, I would know AJ better, or Rachel better, is I would spend time with them. I'd spend time with them and I'd get to know them and we would do life together, we'd do things together and through those experiences, we would know each other more. And it's the same way with God. That there's great value in our relationship with God. Eternal value. Value value that's not going to just be in this life, but it's going to carry into the next life. And I wanted to talk about value for a minute. You know, God does not value what man values. He don't. Our values and God's values are not necessarily the same. We're called to conform to that. We're called to try to... Our value should be, but so many times it's not. So many times we spend time putting value and, and we put these investments and we put all this time and we put all this effort and all this commitment, all this surrender into our job, into our family, and then we're good things and that's fun. But oftentimes we leave on the back burner the most important relationship of all. And that's the one with Jesus. There's great value in a relationship with Jesus. Yeah, it's going to be the thing that gets us into heaven. It has value. A relationship with God is the most valuable priority in our life. And God values you. And if, and if you think about what goes on in, in our spiritual lives, we have a devil, a Satan, and, he, and the Bible says he's come to kill, steal, and destroy, and he wants nothing more but to see your soul go to hell for all of eternity. And then we have a God, a God that loves us, a God that desires to have you, a God that wants to know you. And He's wanting that same soul to come with Him and live in heaven for all of eternity. That your soul is valuable. That what God has placed in you, if you've got breath in your lungs, if you've got a soul, then you have value that is put in you by God Almighty. That if you're not good at anything and you have no talents and you have no gifts, you still have value. If you're not worth anything to any other human being on this entire planet and you're a giant piece of crap that's failed at everything you've ever done, you still have value. God has value in you. And God don't just value you, but He values our time. He values our commitment. He values our praise. God values a relationship with you. That's what He wants more than anything else, is He just wants your heart. Completely surrendered. Completely committed. He wants to know you more. And I think so many times we get caught up trying to catch all these other values of life that in the end will not mean anything. You know, the Bible says in the last days many will come and they'll say, Lord, but didn't we do this and didn't we do that? Didn't we do this? And didn't we do that? Didn't we cast out demons? And didn't we go and feed the poor? And didn't we do this? And didn't we do that? And the Bible says, God will say, depart from me. I never knew you. There is value in having a relationship with God. Great value. Great value. So much value that it's going to determine where our soul spends all of eternity.
The Bible says in Psalms 139, 17 and 18, it says, How precious to me your thoughts, O God! How vast the sum of them! Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. How precious is God's thoughts to just me? How vast the sum of His thoughts are to me? How much thought God has given to me? If I were to count the thoughts, they would outnumber the grains of sand. Man, God has value in your heart, in your life, in your soul. God values you. You're valuable to Him. If you have your Bibles, you can go with me to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. And we are going to start in the third verse. Mark chapter 14, starting in the third verse, the Bible says, While he was in Bethany, he being Jesus, reclining at a table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured, it, poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages, and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you. And you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. You know, so this is a part of the Bible I've always skimmed over and and never really read that. But the Bible says that Jesus is reclining at this table and the Bible says that this woman, and I think in other parts of Scripture, this is supposed to be Mary Magdalene, but this woman, she comes and she's, she's got this jar of really expensive perfume. And really expensive perfume. The Bible says that it had great value, that it was worth more than a year's worth of working wages. So this is not something we're just spraying, you know, just spraying like body acts. We ain't just spraying it. We're just puff once. The Bible says that it, it was worth more than a year's worth of wages and she took this perfume and she took it and she broke the jar and she poured it over Jesus. And that those standing around, the disciples and, and all those that were there, they begin to rebuke her. What, why the waste? Why would you just waste all? I mean, that was, that was worth a lot. Why just waste it? And, and the Bible says they begin to rebuke her harshly. And Jesus said, leave her alone. That what she's done for me, it was a beautiful thing. She did what she was supposed to do. She did all that she could, the Bible says in verse 8. And it says, because of what she did, she's going to be remembered. Wherever the Gospel is preached, wherever this Word of God is taken, because of what she did, this will be told in memory of her. Verse 4, it says, Some of those that were present were saying to one another, it says, Why this waste of perfume? And I read this and I realize that 
She obviously didn't care what other people thought. She didn't care. I'm sure this was going to be a, a big deal, and she probably knew that it was going to bring some backlash to go and break this, this really expensive jar of perfume and pour it all on Jesus. We don't even pass it around, but she used every bit of it on Jesus. And, you know, I thought, how many times do we miss God, whether it be His blessing, whether it be something He's pushing us to do, how many times do we miss God, not because we're afraid of getting rebuked harshly, but because we're afraid of what somebody else might think? I mean, I mean not that, that, you know, we're not afraid that somebody's going to come and confront us to our face and rebuke us harshly in front of a great crowd of people and we feel really small and insignificant and know that we were wrong. We're not afraid of that, but we're afraid that our neighbor, that the person sitting next to us, they might just think, I think he's a little out of control. I don't think that was a good move. I don't, I don't like when people raise their hands. I think it's a little too spiritual. I don't like when people come to the altar when the altar call hadn't even happened yet. I think it's out of order. You know, how many times do we miss something that God has got a blessing right on the other side of something that is so small and we don't even see it, we don't even come near it because we're afraid of what somebody else, what a man might think of us. You know, the Bible says in Matthew 12 and 28, it says, Do not fear what man can do to the body, but fear who can destroy both body and spirit in hell. So don't fear man. And it's talking about persecution. It's talking about those who could, who could drive nails in your hands. And, it says, and, the, and Jesus said, don't fear those who can hurt your body. Don't fear who, who might think of you bad or who might think of you different. But we better start fearing who's going to stand on that day and who we're going to have to stand before on the day of judgment and give an account for every idle word and every wrong thing that we've ever done. We better start fearing those who can destroy both body and spirit in hell. But so many times we miss the blessing that God has for us or we miss the little, the little thing that God wants us to do. We miss the, the opportunity to witness somebody. We miss this opportunity and we miss that opportunity because we're worried what somebody else might think. When we should be concerned only with what God thinks. Going to verse 5 and 6. The Bible says it could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And the Bible says, and they rebuked her harshly. And Jesus said, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. Going back to value. The disciples saw value differently than what Jesus saw. You see, they saw this jar of perfume and they, and they saw that it was worth money. And that this jar of perfume, it could have been sold for, for more than a year's worth of wages and that money given to the poor. So their intentions were good. It's not that their intentions were horrible or it was sinful or it was wrong. Their intentions were good. But Jesus said, why are you bothering her? That what she's done had value. And that what she's done, it was the right thing. And what she's done, it was a beautiful thing to me. 
AJ, if you'll come up. <clears throat> Going to verse 8, Jesus said, She did what she could. She did what she could. You know what she done? It didn't have value to anybody else. It didn't have value to anybody else. In fact, she was rebuked because of what she done, harshly. But what she did do had value to Jesus. The most valuable thing in this life is our relationship with Jesus Christ. And you know, me having a thriving relationship with Jesus might never bring value to anybody else's life. But if it's bringing value to Him, if He sees it and He says that's valuable, then man, it's the right thing to do. She did what she could. Are you doing what you could today? Are you doing everything that you could to serve Him, to love Him, to know Him more? Are you giving Him all the time that you can give Him? Are you giving Him all your commitment? Are you giving Him all your surrender? She did all that she could. She done a beautiful thing to me. Nobody else saw value in it, but Jesus saw value. And He said, she did all that she could do. That what she's done, it was such a beautiful thing to me. Well, it was so valuable to me that wherever the gospel is taken, wherever it is preached throughout the world, because of what she's done, this will be told in memory of her. It was to her gain. And I don't know about you, but I know for me that someday when I stand before the King and I kneel in His presence, I hope that He can just simply look at me and say He did all that He could do. That I don't want to go through life half-hearted. And I speak from a place of conviction, a place of I need to be better. And, and I, I say I don't want to halfway do life. I don't want to halfway love God, but I want to be on fire for Him. That I want to be a light for Him. That everything I do, I want to glorify Him. That I want others to see Jesus in me. Not see hands, but see Jesus. And just like I told you about that man the other night, this man that was on fire, I didn't see him. I didn't see his name, but I saw Jesus in him. And that's what gave me fire. If y'all stand with me. You know, when I was in high school, ball practices. I can remember a lot of ball practices where coach would he would challenge us. And it'd usually be when we were doing something that wasn't fun. Whether it be running or something like that. He'd say, can you not run harder? Can you not play harder? Can you not play defense better than that? Can you not do this better? And it was just a blunt challenge. And I didn't come to challenge anybody today. But I believe God is challenging all of us today. Can you do better? Can you love me more? Can you seek me more? Can you do more for my kingdom? 
Can you put more value in things that are eternal rather than things that are carnal? Every head bowed and every eye closed. I don't know what God is doing in your hearts today, but I do know God is here and God's wanting to see a move in our hearts. So right now, consider these altars open. And if anybody wants to pray for any reason, consider these altars open. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you're here and you just say, man, I just want you to remember me in your prayers. If that's you, we just raise your hand. God sees these hands. Lord, we come to you today thanking you, God, for everything that you've done for each and every one of us, Lord. Lord, and I pray that each one of us, God, would just examine our hearts, God. And I pray that you would test us. Lord, I pray that you'd prune us, God. I pray that you mold us into something that you can use to upbuild your kingdom. Lord, and I pray that our priority, God, would not be in just what we can see, God, but most of our priority would be in you. That you would show us our value. That you would show us what our purpose is, our talent is. Lord, we need you today more than we've ever needed you before. And I pray that you come and you put something on the inside of us, God, something in our hearts, God, a fire, a passion for you. Lord, it's not by us, but it's only by you. We give you all the praise and glory. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.